have your Bibles, I'd like to begin in John chapter 4 and verse 23. As many of y'all know, one of my duties through the years as a probation officer was to be a firearms instructor. And several years ago, we quit going over some of the basics and some of the fundamentals of marksmanship. Uh, Some of our instructors at the time said, these things are so basic, these things are so fundamental that everybody knows them, and there's no need to go over them at every firearms practice anymore. What we saw was is that our skill in firearms went down significantly. Because all of us as shooters needed to be reminded of the basics, needed to be reminded of the fundamentals because we can so easily forget. And when we started stressing again those fundamentals of marksmanship, which are stance, grip, sight alignment, sight picture, and trigger control, our shooting got better. And we were far more skilled shooters than we had been because we didn't forget the basics and the fundamentals. The Lord Jesus is in a conversation uh, with the woman at the well. And he makes this statement. She has questioned him about the place where men ought to worship. And the Lord Jesus is going to emphasize to her it's not so much the place, but it's the how we worship. He says this in verse 23. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the father seeketh such to worship him God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth that word must is not optional It means for true worship to happen, it must be done this way. This is the basics and this is the fundamentals of worship in spirit and in truth. Now we have essentially three parts of our worship this morning. It's preaching, it's praying, and it's singing. Each one of those things must be done in spirit and in truth. So if we were to ask the question, should our singing be in spirit? The answer is yes. If we were to ask, should our singing be in truth? The answer is yes. Now a lot of things can come along with that. I have at times been guilty of not focusing enough on the words 
that we sing in our songs. You see, our worship, we're probably more active in our worship than sometimes we may realize. Because if I'm singing and thinking about every single word that we're saying, that takes some activity, that takes some thinking, that takes some pondering of every word and every phrase that we're saying. And it should be in truth. If we were to sing words of a song that are not true words, that would not be true worship. Because every aspect of worship should be, again, in spirit and in truth. It's a blessing. We'll go to some verses, the Lord being our helper, about singing and songs. But what a blessing it is. What a sermon there is in many of the words of the songs that can be a blessing to our heart. It's the same in the prayer. That a prayer should be in spirit and a prayer should be in truth. It would be wrong for me to pray a prayer that acts like because of my own works, heaven and immortal glory would be my home one day. That would not be a prayer in truth and it would not be true worship. The preaching of the gospel must be in spirit and it must be in truth. If I was to preach something that is not true according to God's word, it would not be true preaching and it would not be true worship. The Lord has given us the truth in his word and we know if we stick with this, it is truth. And if we stay away from the teachings of men, particularly that depart from God's word, the Lord not only describes true worship in the Bible, but he also describes vain worship. In Matthew chapter 15, the Lord is speaking to some scribes and Pharisees that had questioned him. They're questioning him because they say, your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders. That's not the word of God, but that's a tradition of men. The Lord Jesus would respond because they said your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders for they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? He said, You're worried about the tradition of man and of man's teachings. The Lord Jesus asked them a question. Why do you transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? He said, for God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that 
curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, whosoever shall say to his mother, his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Then if you made the commandment of God a non-effect by your tradition. He said, God said to honor thy father and mother, but you say by the teaching of man, if we say it's a gift, we don't have to honor thy father and mother. What they mean by that is there was responsibility for children to take care of their parents. But they had come up with a tradition of men that was a loophole around God's commandment where they could say, if we say all of our worldly goods, it's really a gift to God. Now, we're going to keep driving the car. We're going to keep the nice house. We're going to use it all, but we're going to say it's the Lord's so we don't have to help mom and daddy. That's what they have done. And so the Lord calls them out and says, you don't need to be worried about the tradition of men. You need to be worried about the commandment of God. You need to be worried about God's truth. Then he says this. I just wanted to lay a little context. This is really what I want. He said, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah, that's the New Testament way of saying Isaiah, prophesied you saying, this people draweth nigh to me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me. That word vain is an interesting word. It literally means fruitlessly, to no avail, to no purpose. It's empty. I don't want that kind of worship. I don't want worship that's empty. I don't want worship that's to no avail. I don't want worship that's fruitless. This isn't some mere man saying this. This is the Lord Jesus Christ saying this. But in vain, they do worship me. Why is their worship vanity? Why is their worship fruitless? Why is their worship to no purpose? It's because they're teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. The word doctrine means teaching, and it surely would include our precious doctrines of grace, of the finished work of the Lord Jesus on the cross, would surely uh, include election, predestination, the sovereignty of God, but it also includes the way we go about worshiping, the practice of our worship. He said, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So the Lord puts up a big warning flag. Don't do what men say. Do what I say. This is repeated uh, in the book of Mark almost the exact same way. So the Lord emphasizes this twice uh, in his word mentioning in two of the gospel accounts. So he, tra- he 
lays out beside one another true worship and vain worship. And true worship is in spirit and in truth. Now, if we truly stick with this book, it will be in truth. But do we control the spirit? The Lord's blessed us as born-again children of God to have the spirit within us. In the new birth, we are called the temple of the Holy Ghost. So we do, as we come together to the house of God, we do are blessed to have Christ in us, the hope of glory, as Colossians 1 tells us. We're blessed to have the Holy Spirit of God within us. But this is talking about even more than that. And that's one of the things we should do before we come into the house of God. We should say, Lord, bless us with thy spirit in the preaching. Lord, bless us with thy spirit in the praying. And Lord, bless us with thy spirit in the singing. Now, let me ask you a question. The Lord's already told us in prayer to ask, it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find, and knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And he's just told the Samaritan woman, for the hour is come, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such. To worship him. The Father is seeking for true worshipers on this very day in 2023 in Stringer, Mississippi. God Almighty is seeking for true worshipers to worship him in spirit and in truth. He desires that. He is pleased with that. So if we ask him, Lord, bless him with, bless us with thy spirit as we worship thee in truth today. Will he not grant that request? We've been blessed to see it granted so many times. But we should ask. We shouldn't just take it for granted. But we should take it as a wonderful privilege and a wonderful opportunity whenever the Lord's spirit and whenever the Lord meets with us. What a glorious thing it is. The King of glory has come. May I never take it for granted. If we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we'll see some companion text that emphasizes these truths 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 15. He said, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. He emphasizes the Spirit's got to be involved. I will pray with the understanding also. Understanding what we're praying. Praying in truth. What a blessing it is to hear our brethren pray audibly and out loud 
in the house of God. And it says here, I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. Again, asking for the spirit as we pray. The prayer is to the Lord, but it benefits those that hear. When we pray publicly, we should pray loud enough and clear enough that our brethren and sisters can hear. The prayer is not to our brethren and sisters, it's to the Lord. But it's a blessing for our brethren and sisters to hear us talk to God. For many years, I've enjoyed listening to to preachers talk about the Word of God. And I may not have always been involved in the conversation, but I enjoyed listening. And I got something out of listening to the brethren talk of the Scriptures and discuss the Scriptures, even if I wasn't a part of the conversation, I was able to listen. And I love it when Others gather around when preachers are talking the scriptures and others are, are blessed to want to be involved, to listen and to, to learn. It's a blessing. And it's a blessing to me when I hear my brethren in Christ pray and I'm able to listen to them pour out their hearts to the Lord. The Lord Jesus emphasized the importance of the heart in worship. When he talked about the vain worship, he said, they draw a nigh with their lips. They honor me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. When we sing, and it's going to become very apparent, we sing with the heart. When we pray, we should pray with the heart, and I think preachers should preach with what the Lord's put on their heart. Not something they got, but what the Lord has given them. It says, what is it then? I'll pray with the Spirit. I'll pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit. I'll sing with the understanding also that we can learn in prayer and we can learn as we sing the songs of Zion together. Sometimes when I prayed attention to songs, I've learned tidbits of doctrinal truth I've not thought of before by listening to the song and contemplating on the words in the spirit saying, Lord, Open minds. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. In verse, verse 18, this, I really want to get down to verse 19, but I need to set a little context. 
the Apostle Paul said, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, again, we've been blessed with the Spirit in the new birth, but we can't, we don't have the ability to, on our own, fill ourselves with the Spirit as we come to the house of God. We've already been born again. He's already put the Spirit within our hearts, but this is talking about something over and above that. And we don't have the ability to fill ourselves with the Spirit. We're dependent on the Lord, and we ask Him to do that. But I'm going to tell you, we do have the ability to put our vessel where the Spirit flows. Uh, if I want my cup filled with Dr. Pepper, I'm going to put my cup under the Dr. Pepper fountain where the spout comes out. And I'm going to put my cup where the Dr. Pepper flows. Because if I put it somewhere else, it's not near as likely to be filled with Dr. Pepper as I put it in the spout where Dr. Pepper flows. The Lord has told us where his spirit abounds. And one of the ways we can be filled with the spirit is for all of us to collectively pray, Lord, when we come to the house, Lord, please fill us with thy spirit. And we come to the place where the Spirit of God flows and He blesses us by His grace and by His mercy and by His love to be filled with the Spirit. He said, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. This is in the context of worship, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. He's talking about the song service. It's in the, the context of the worship service of the saints in the house of God. And he said, as we're filled with the Spirit, asking for the Lord to fill us with His Spirit, we speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now as we sing, all worship is to the Lord. We're singing songs in praise to Him. I've heard some say when we sing, we're singing to an audience of one. There's a sense in which that's right, and there's a sense in which that's not the whole story. Our praise as we sing is all to God. We're not praising one another. We're not worshiping one another. We're worshiping one. We're worshiping the Lord. But as we sing, we do speak to ourselves and to one another in psalms and hymns. In spiritual songs. Let me grab one verse before I come back. Well, we'll go there in a minute because there's a little more details to cover after that verse. We teach one another. If the Lord's put a song on my heart and I call on it, or the Lord's put a song on your heart, and that song's meant something to you, the words of that song might be just what I needed 
and you caught on that song. Maybe another brother or sister in Christ, they needed the truth and the words of that song to touch their heart. We're speaking to yourselves, both to ourselves and each other, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing. That word rendered singing literally means to sing, and there's no necessity of the accompanying by an instrument to sing with a voice and making melody on a musical instrument. No, it said making melody in your heart to the Lord. We should sing from the heart. One of the first things somebody that's visiting an old Baptist church is going to notice when they come in is there is no musical instrument. Some people may think, wonder why they got rid of the musical instruments, <laughs> not knowing that we didn't ever have any. Why don't we have any? Do we just prefer it that way? Is that just something we like? No. The reason we don't have it is because when the Lord set up the New Testament church, and you can look throughout all the New Testament in the New Testament worship service, you will never see a mention of singing with a musical instrument in the worship service of God. Did the Lord forget to tell us that? No, the Lord doesn't forget. Your pastor's very forgetful. <laughs> Y'all know that. The Lord is not. He never forgets anything. And when he tells us how to do something, it alleviates any other possibility. Amen. Amen. When I was a little boy, sometimes Mama would send one of us into the store and she may say, okay, Mark, run in there and get butter and milk and eggs. Well, if I'd have come out with butter and milk and eggs, but I decided those Twinkies look real good. <laughs> and because those Twinkies look real good, I got three boxes of them. And I come back out to the car, and Mama says, why'd you get them Twinkies? And I said, well, you didn't tell me not to get Twinkies. Do you think that's going to fly? It's not. Because when she told me what to get, butter and milk and eggs, it alleviated any other alternative, any other option. How much more? When the Lord tells us, worship me like this, it alleviates any other alternative. And it would be unreasonable and ungodly for us to say, well, we can add this or we can add that. He didn't say, don't do it. You go tell your mama about them Twinkies and then we'll come back and talk about that. When we give instructions in something, it might be a recipe for a cake. You can't just start adding a bunch of extra stuff that the recipe doesn't call for and say you're baking that cake. No. Say, well, the recipe didn't say I couldn't add 
uh, lemon juice and couldn't add bacon soda and because in the recipe telling you what to put in it, it alleviated any other alternative. How much more when the Lord has given us instructions for worship. And he told us to worship, to sing songs to him without the accompaniment of musical instruments, just to sing in his church. And it alleviated any other possibility. You know, a lot of people don't know, but in very early Christianity, no denomination of people sang with instruments. John Calvin once said, who was one of the founders of the Presbyterian denomination, once said, I was as soon use musical instruments in the church as I would to burn incense or the lighting of candles or utilizing the other shadows of the law service. There were musical instruments in the Old Testament worship service. You look in the very last psalm in the Bible, Psalm 150, I believe it is, there are numerous references to musical instruments. And someone may say, well, if they use it in the Old Testament, that means we should have them today. But that was a very different form of worship. That worship generally occurred on the Sabbath day, on Saturday. We don't worship the Lord on Saturday. We worship the Lord on Sunday. We worship the Lord on Sunday, which is the first day of the week, because every single Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every Sunday is. That's why we worship on the first day of the week. That's when Jesus, they realized Jesus had risen from the dead. So we don't worship on the same day. When we pulled up this morning, y'all didn't see a big ox or, or a lamb being out here on the altar. Why? We didn't see incense burning. All those things were in the Old Testament. Why not? Because Jesus fulfilled all that. When Jesus finished his sacrifice upon the cross of Calvary, a very different system of worship was in place. And the Lord Jesus, when he set up his church as he walked along the hills of Galilee, he said, this is the way the New Testament church is to worship. And we follow the pattern that Jesus set. The worship service of the Old Testament was a very outward worship. You could see the sacrifices being offered. You could smell as they offered those sacrifices. You could smell those smells. You could smell the incense they were burning. You could see the, the smoke. It was a very outward thing. But the worship of the New Testament that the Lord set up is a very inward thing. It's of the Spirit. We've seen it emphasized, making melody in your heart. The born-again heart that the Lord's given us, we're to worship with that regenerated, that inward man, that born-again heart, that heart of flesh. He's taken out the heart of stone. He's given us a heart of flesh. And that's our instrument of worship in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 2, the Lord, or the Apostle Paul, and 
describing spiritual Israel, would say, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, of the spirit, and not of the letter, whose praise is not of men. <laughs> it's not the teachings of men. It's not the doctrines of men. Whose praise is not of men, but of God. So we see today, Wesley, who was uh, one of the leaders of the Methodist church, said many years ago, he said, I don't mind organs being in our chapels as long as they're not seen and they're not heard. Now, what does that tell you? Adam Clark, who was a famous Bible commentary writer amongst the Methodists, said, music as a science, I esteem and admire. He said, I like music. In my personal life, I enjoy music. I esteem music. I admire music. He said, music as a science, I esteem and admire. But music in the worship service, he said, I abominate. That's the base word for abomination. He said, I abominate and abhor. This is leading men amongst other denominations that clearly showed in the history of all different denominations of Christianity there was no musical instruments. It was totally vocal as we do it today. If you look at a lot of music history, history books, and church history books, you'll see that many, many references are made to the singing of primitive or original Christianity was purely vocal. The first evidence, historically, of musical instruments being brought into the church of, of any denomination in Christianity was around the 500s. The first mention of an organ being brought into any church within the realm of Christianity was in the 1200s. So we see that from the beginning it was not so. And for hundreds and hundreds of years, after the Lord Jesus would set up his church, for hundreds and hundreds of years, no denomination that claimed to be a follower of Christ would sing with instruments. But they would sing making melody in their heart to the Lord. So the way we sung this morning is not just our preference. Now, I do like it. <laughs> I do like it. But that's not why we do it. We do it because the Lord said, this is the way to do it. Now, I'm going to tell you, when we worship Him, the way He's prescribed for us to, it, to do it, 
we get a sweet peace because remember the Father seeketh such to worship Him. He is seeking for that. And when that happens, He is very pleased with that. In Colossians 3 and verse 16, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Colossae and he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you. Notice the word in, I am. He's talking about the worship service of the Lord and he's talking about it's a very inward thing. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Again, he's emphasizing in the song service, we're teaching and we're admonishing one another. The praise is to God, but the blessing is to us all. And we can learn and should learn in the song service. And one of my prayers should be, Lord, teach me not only when the, when the preacher's preaching, Lord, teach me when the brothers pray. And Lord, teach me when the songs are being sung. Lord, teach my heart what I need today. Lord, you know what I need. Thou knowest better than I know what I need. Again, he emphasizes singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, it's a blessing when the song sounds good. But I'm going to tell you, God would be pleased if every one of us was off key. If we were singing in our hearts of gratitude and love and thankfulness to the Lord, he'd still be pleased. Might be a little harder on the brother or sister sitting next to us. But the Lord would be pleased. And what a blessing that is. And he said, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed. Again, we're in the context of this worship service. We're in the context of the song service. And then he says, whatsoever ye do in word or deed. See, it matters in the church what's taught. It matters in the church what's preached. But it also matters in the church what we do, our practice, and how we worship. And whatsoever ye do in word, our deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That phrase, in the name of the Lord Jesus, means it has to be consistent with what Jesus said do. You know, we see on the old police shows where the policeman says, stop in the name of the law. And by that he means, I'm giving you a command to stop, and that command to stop is consistent with the law. A policeman can't say, do this in the name of the law, and he's telling you to do something completely contrary to the law. That would be a false statement. So what we do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is something that pleases him. 
something that's consistent with what he's told us to do. And there's a great blessing when we do it. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. All worship has to be by the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't do it alone. The preacher certainly can't preach without the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, none of us can effectively worship without the Lord. We can't sing songs of praise that please the Lord without the Lord. We can't pray prayers that please the Lord without the Lord. I want to go to one other scripture bring our remarks to the close. We looked a little about the praying and the singing. I want to look in 1 Peter 1. First Peter 1 and verse 10 says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. But that verse is essentially saying is that the Spirit of Christ in these Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Moses, etc., that the Spirit of Christ which was in them blessed them to write about what Christ would do and the sufferings he would have and the glory that should follow. Now they didn't fully understand their own writings. The Lord blessed those Old Testament saints to go to heaven. They're going to be in the same heaven we're going to be because God had confidence and faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus which would later be shed. So they're going to be in the same heaven we are. But I'm going to tell you, they didn't totally know and understand the glorious gospel of the finished work of the Lord Jesus that we do today. They were looking forward to what Christ may do and they, or what Christ would do, but they looked at it in shadows and they didn't have the full, clear picture. They saw it in, in shadows. But we're blessed to look back and see what Christ has done and what he did accomplish on the cross of Calvary. And we've been blessed to see the glory that should follow. We have been blessed to hear the good news of the Lord Jesus. It says, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, meaning the Old Testament prophets, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. He said it was revealed under these Old Testament prophets that they were writing about some things they would not see, but we've been blessed to see them. 
We've been blessed to hear the glorious gospel. It says, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you. Who are they reported by? By them that have preached the gospel. We don't think of preachers as being a reporter. But in one sense, we are. But we're not a reporter of the bad news of the word world. We're a reporter of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he's done for us. He said, which are reported, now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you. How did they preach it? With the Holy Ghost. Sent down from heaven. They're preaching the true gospel of the Lord Jesus. They're preaching what Jesus taught. They're preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. They're preaching the truth, but they're preaching it with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Which things the angels desire to look into. This is such a glorious gospel. This is such a blessed victory that the Lord Jesus won for us on Calvary's tree that the angels desire to look into this report. They desire to see this preaching of the gospel. They desire to see the worship service of the saints. It's so blessed, it's so glorious. Now I'm going to tell you there's no verse in the Bible that said Jesus came and suffered and bled and died for angels. They're not part of redemption. God did not secure for them a victory on the cross of Calvary. That's our victory. But it's still so precious, even to the angels, that they desire to look into these things. How much more should I desire to look into? Because what Jesus did saved me. What Jesus did saved you. The love that he had even before the foundation of the world is the love that that caused him to come and to suffer and bleed and die. It's the good news of our salvation. It's not the good news of the angel's salvation. But it's so precious even to them to see what Christ did for us that they want to look into it says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. This is something to think on. This is something to meditate on. To gird up something means to get ready to work. (laughs) And our minds should be at work in the worship service as we listen to the songs of Zion, as we hear the brethren pray, as we hear the gospel preached. We should be meditating and glorifying the Lord for all the wonderful things He's done for us. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. That means be clear-minded and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, as we're listening to the gospel being preached, as we're thinking on the great things the Lord has done for us, we're to ever be looking for Jesus when he comes again. We're to ever be looking for the end of our hope when Jesus comes to take us all home to be with him in heaven and a world of glory. Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation 
of Jesus Christ. Until then, till the end of the hope, we have hope. And we grab hold of hope. And we rejoice in a Savior's love. You know, when I think about the Lord being pleased with our worship, again, the Father seeketh such to worship Him. I was reminded of when John, Mark, and Al Lee were little bitty. And they first began to take their first steps. And I'd be over there with my arms outstretched and saying, come to daddy. Come to daddy. When they began to come to me and were able to walk and come to me and we embraced, daddy was so pleased. I was so pleased when my children would come to me. I was seeking for them to come into my arms. I'll tell you, God the Father seeks for us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And when we do that, our Heavenly Father is so pleased and what a blessing it is. And we're able to rejoice that He's pleased with us and rejoice in the arms of our Heavenly Father. May God richly bless you is my prayer.